You know, when you're a retired pastor, for me anyway, it's been two years, and when I get the opportunity to preach, it's like Christmas morning. Really? I get, I get to go, and, and I see we're done pretty early with, the, with singing, so I got a long time. Uh, but it's a privilege for me to, to, to share and to speak. And I think when, when I retired, I knew it was a privilege for me to preach, but I didn't realize how much of a privilege it is to proclaim the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of God. And, and it's, it's as true back then as it is today, and we stand on the Word of God. Now our, our world, our country, it's like, what is going on? Stay on the Word of God. Stay there. God is the one, it's Mary sang, who brings down the, the proud and he raises up the humble. So we just keep clinging to the Word of God. You might ask, what do I do in retirement? Well, whatever my wife wants, pretty much. And, and sometimes what my wife wants me to do is to go away and, you know, go work on wood or something. Um, I'm also on the board at Shepherd's College. Shepherd's College is uh, it's the only accredited um, college in Wisconsin, I think in the nation, that, um, um, for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Autism, Asperger's, um, uh, cerebral palsy, those kind of things. And it's in Union Grove. It's not too far away. Fantastic, fantastic. I, I would encourage you to go and take a tour. So anyway, that's, that's my commercial. Another thing about retirement is you never have to give announcements. So that is fantastic. I hate doing that. All right. Here we are. We're in Luke chapter 1, and, and we're looking at Mary's song. But I think for us to, <clears throat> to understand Mary's song better, we need to get a run-up to it, OK? And we'll get there eventually, promise. Mary is a controversial figure. <clears throat> she's a controversial figure because she's not, she's not the key figure in the Christmas story, but she's a very important character. But some have elevated her to a, to a savior status or to a sinless status, and, and that she's overplayed there. She says in the song, my heart rejoices in God, my savior. If you're sinless, you don't need a savior. And, and so she's not a savior and she's not sinless. But, but then there's others who would, we'd probably be in that camp. We can downplay Mary's role. We downplay Mary's role exactly because the other people overplay it. Isn't that the way we are? You know, somebody goes to that extreme, we go to the other extreme. Why do we go to that extreme? Well, because they went to that extreme. She is honored. <clears throat> she is highly favored. Mary. Don't forget that. Highly favored. But she's not a savior, and she's not sinless. Context for her song. So... Mary is between 13 and 15 years old. It was their culture at that time for young ladies to get married between 13 and 15. And you're sitting there thinking, that is terrible. That is awful. Uh, well, you know, there's things about our culture that people probably think are pretty awful, too. Uh, young men would get married between the ages of 17 and 19. It seems like whatever culture you go to, it takes us guys longer than it does take the ladies, okay? That's just the way it is. So she's a teenager. She's in the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is like eagle. I mean, you know, when, when, when uh, Andrew introduces, or he goes to Nathaniel and he says, hey, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. What does Nathaniel say? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Eagle. Okay, well, maybe if you live there, sorry. I mean, Wales, that's where we're from. Anything good come out of Wales? So it's not a very big place. She's a person of humble circumstance. When, when Jesus is born, 
She and Joseph, when they go, they make their offering. They're to offer a lamb, but if you're poor, you bring two birds. And so they brought birds. So it's, it's a, a small, insignificant place, and she's not wealthy by any means, and she's a teenager. Teenager. Just grab onto that one. The setting for the people of Israel. Okay, so we, if we started with King David, King David rules for 40 years, God makes a promise to David, and then Solomon reigns for 40 years, and Solomon dies, and then the kingdom splits into, you with me, 10 tribes in the north called Israel, the two tribes in the south called Judah. You with me? And I'm making assumptions. And so, so here you, you have it, and, and for, I don't know, maybe 150 years or so, something like that, these two kingdoms, are, they're, they're the people of God, and they fight each other. All the kings in the northern ten tribes are wicked. The people of God, all their kings are wicked. In the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, some, there are some godly kings, but most of them are wicked too. God sends in the Assyrians to the northern ten tribes. The Assyrians come in, conquer the northern ten tribes. They come down to the land of Judah, and they are started to conquer Judah. They surround Jerusalem. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. God stops them. Sennacherib goes back home, he leaves because there's somebody else attacking him, and during that time, the Babylonians come in and they conquer the Assyrians. It's kind of how it works, isn't it? So the Babylonians then, they come in and they conquer Judah, and they, they not only uh, destroy Jerusalem, but they take away the exiles like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they take them all away, and what's going to happen? Well, they're, they're, they're there 70 years. And then the Persians come in, and the Persians beat the Babylonians. The Persians would be there during the time, but you'll find Daniel there too, but it's Esther, and it's Nehemiah. And then the Greeks come in, and the Greeks conquer the Persians. And then the Romans come in, and the Romans conquer the Greeks. And in Daniel chapter 2, you find Nebuchadnezzar has this dream about this statue, about this, this image, and, and it lays out all those kingdoms. It's incredible. It's incredible. And the people of Israel were to be looking for the Messiah. They're to be looking for the Messiah, the one who was promised from long ago, the one who was promised back in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I, I know when I speak and I get excited and I start to race, you could go to 2, chapter, 2 Samuel 7 if you like, go there later, and I'm going to get close to what is said. God says to David, one of your sons is going to reign on your throne forever. I'm going to establish his kingdom forever. Well, Solomon reigns for 40 years and he died, so I guess it wasn't Solomon. And, and on and on it goes. There's no one who reigns forever. Well, then a couple hundred years later, through the prophet Isaiah, God says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And his name will be called, and as I'm doing this, are you hearing it in your head? You know these. You've, we rehearse this. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And the reason you, when I start quoting scripture, you remember it because every Christmas we rehearse the Christmas story. After about 10 years of being a pastor, I stopped doing that one year, and I decided, you know what? I've preached on Christmas like for nine years now. I'll just, let's just keep this. The sermon series going from the fall. Only did that one year because that doesn't work. And so we rehearse it. 
we rehearse it lest we forget. And so, so we know the passages so well. And then you get to the book of Daniel. We're going another 150 years later or something like that. And, and, and Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar about what the image, the head of gold means and the, the shoulders and the chest and the legs. And it's these kingdoms of Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome. It's those kingdoms all being laid out. And then it says at the end, there's going to be an end to those governments. There's going to be an end to them, and, and I'm going to send someone who's going to reign on the throne forever. That is the context for Mary's song. It had been a thousand years since the promise had been made to David. I wonder if people in Mary's day were looking. Were they looking for the Messiah, or had they given up? Oppressive kingdom after oppressive kingdom. Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. God said he was going to send someone to, to reign forever. And where is the sign of his promise? Where is he? I wonder. You know, it's been, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said he was going to come back. You looking for him? You giving up on that? That's that promise from way back? Just want to make sure you understand God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. There were people who were looking for the coming of the Messiah in Mary's day. If we jump ahead to Luke chapter 2, there's those two people. You know, I used to think of them as old people, but they're probably like in their 60s. Well, they're older than that. But senior adult, I mean, you're going to get there. If you're not there yet, you're going to get there, and it's going to be faster than you ever thought. And it says that Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. He is looking for the constant, he's looking for the one who's going to come in to make things right. You go a few verses later and you find out about Anna. Anna, it says that she too was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem and she was talking to all the people who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. There were people who were looking for the Messiah to come. And now we enter the story of Mary. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to get to Mary's song, I promise. Luke chapter 1, it says in verse 26, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. Two weeks ago, I was doing a devotional with my granddaughter. A Christmas devotional. And she doesn't really want me to talk all the time. She wants to be able to play while we do it. She's almost, well, she's four and a half. So anyway, it was a connect the dots thing. You know, numbers one through ten, these different dots, and there's a line from ten to one. I give her the pencil, and she starts to draw from one to two, two to three. You've been there with, you've done that, right? You're all with me? And she connects the dots. Hey, good job, Sloan. What is it? She looks at it and she goes, it's a star. Yeah, it's a star. And then we started talking about the star that led the wise men to Bethlehem. 
Mary is connecting dots. She's connecting the dots. She knows the scripture. You, when we, you, you read Mary's song, if you have a study Bible, you have a Bible that has uh, references in the margin, etc., you look at that and you'll find out that 10 to 15 times she is quoting from the Old Testament in her song. Mary knows the scriptures. She knows the scriptures. What did the angel say? He said, you found favor with God? You will conceive and give birth to a son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a, a son is given. You are to call him Jesus. What does Jesus mean? It means the Lord is salvation. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Are you kidding me? The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary is connecting the dots. She's connecting the dots. And she sees that God wants to do the unimaginable through her. He's going to do immeasurably more than she could ever ask or imagine. This is incredible. Some of you are old enough to have been a creation. Almost. You're sitting there with me and, and God creates and he goes, let there be light. Let there be trees, let there be plants, let there be animals. He, he takes some dirt and he makes a man. He takes a rib and he makes a woman. It's like God does the unimaginable. He does more than we could ask or imagine. And you make your way through the scriptures. Noah, Abraham and Isaac. Joseph, I mean, Joseph is a, he's a Jewish young man who becomes second in command in the land of Egypt. Is that unimaginable? Imagine that happening today over in Egypt. I don't think so. Can't imagine that. On and on we could go through the scriptures that God does that which is unimaginable. No one would have ever guessed it. And Mary is connecting the dots and she understands that God is going to do the unimaginable through her. It's incredible. And Mary, if she agrees to this, her plans and dreams are going to be set aside. I didn't mention before that Mary is engaged to Joseph. In those days, an engagement was legal. And nowadays, if a young lady is engaged to a, a young man and, and uh, something happens and the engagement is off, she gives the ring back. Don't need a lawyer. She says, it's off. Back in those days, you need a lawyer. You need to go through the divorce process. So, so she's, she's, she's engaged to, to Joseph. And so her plans, her dreams are going to be set aside. She could lose her engagement to Joseph. He, you know, he could turn and go away. She's going to bring shame to the family. All these things are going through her head. And then she says the most amazing thing. One of the best verses in Scripture. Chapter 1 of Luke, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary, we've read it a couple times, Mary is highly favored by God. Let me just to point this out. Mary is not highly favored because she was so good. I mean, she's a teenager. She's not so favored because she's so good. She's favored because God chose her her. She's not favored because she was so good. She's favored because she said, through the, for, either through the words of Elizabeth a few verses later, 
You're blessed because you believed what God said. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you, do you understand that you've been chosen? I'll point that out here later. Chosen by God. You understand that the blessing for you comes when you believe what God has said? Do you understand that? So here's Mary, and Mary, she's setting, she's setting aside her dreams, and, and, and she knows she's putting her marriage in, in jeopardy and all those kind of things. We find out from Simeon, uh, the next chapter, that Mary, your heart's going to be ripped out if you agree with this plan. And that's what Mary does. This is incredible. She wants what God wants. Anybody here not afraid to raise your hand? If you're a teenager, would you raise your hand? 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, Let no one look down on you because you are young. Mary is a teenager. Let no one look down on you because you are young, but through your actions, through your words, through the way that you express your faith, through the way that you love, the way that you go through life, be an example to other believers. But lest we get stuck on being a teenager, how many of you think you're about my age or over? Put it up. I believe we're going to take that verse from 1 Timothy chapter 4 from Paul. So let, let no one look down on you because you are a senior adult. Don't look down on Simeon and Anna. Don't look down on Zacharias or Elizabeth. They're all senior adults. Let no one look down on you because you're a senior adult. But by your speech and your conduct and your, 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 the way you express your faith, the way that you love, the way that you serve, be an example to the believers, because that is what's taking place through Mary. I believe you could take that verse and let no one look down at you because you're young, and you fill in the blank. What is it that typically you would say, well, the Lord can't use me because I'm blank? It doesn't mean people won't look down on you because you're a teenager, they won't look down on you because you're a senior adult or whatever else the answer is. Don't let them. Don't put up with that. And Mary, Mary knows that God has chosen her, and she believes what God has said. Well, it says, in, um, after the angel left, it says, in, in that, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So Elizabeth is her cousin or her aunt, something like that, maybe a great aunt or a great cousin, she goes to see Elizabeth. Why did she go see Elizabeth? Well, the angel said to her, hey, your relative is pregnant. Elizabeth is pregnant. Well, Elizabeth is like, you know, whoever, you guys all raise your hand with me as a senior adult. Do you want to have a baby? Elizabeth always wanted to have a baby, and she can't have a baby. Infertile, and, and, and just... Totally giving up past the childbearing years. There's other stories like that in the scriptures. Okay, we won't go there, but there's other stories like that. And Mary wants to go see Elizabeth. Okay, Mary is 13 to 15 years old. From Nazareth down to Judea is about 30, 40 miles as the crow flies. Well, if you've ever been to Israel, there's no straight lines. Okay, it's this end. And in fact, if you're in Galilee and you want to go down to Judea, Samaria is in the middle. And, and oftentimes, instead of going through Samaria, because people didn't want to go through there, you would go around Samaria. So she's got a, quite a long trip. And she's not taking a car or a bus or a train. She's walking. 
So if your daughter, teenage daughter, wants to, you know, walk 50 miles to see a relative through uh, some hostile territory, you're going to let her go by herself? I don't think so. It doesn't say in the scripture, so I, I want to be careful here, so I'm, I, I'm using my imagination as a friend of mine would say, I'm going to lay it down, you pick it up if you want to. I think Mary, after the angel Gabriel appeared to her, I think Mary went and told her folks what had just happened. She went and told them. She wants to go see Elizabeth. Well, they're not going to let her go alone. Mom and dad are probably going to go with her because they're wondering if their, their daughter is like going nuts or something. Because this is incredible. This doesn't happen. Virgin birth, that doesn't happen. So there's something, maybe something wrong. And so they go and they, they travel down there to see her. And, and there's this verse in scripture that came alive to me as I was studying to bring you the message today. I've seen it many, many times. Just wondered why it was there. And there's no filler, I get it, but it's like, why? It says, Elizabeth, when she became pregnant, she went into seclusion for five months. Now, if you always want to have a baby, <laughs> I'm going to do it. If, if, <laughs> if you always wanted to have a baby, and now you're pregnant, you're going to walk down the street, <laughs> You're going like that. You're going to wear that shirt that goes, baby. Yeah, you're going to let everybody know. Elizabeth goes into seclusion. Why? Why? It's because she was going to be the one to confirm for Mary and her parents that what the angel said was true. Because nobody knew Elizabeth was pregnant except Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias, and he couldn't talk because the angel shut his mouth. <laughs> Some of you ladies are going, I wish an angel would come and talk to me. She, she confirms that what the angel says is true. It's just, it's incredible. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth didn't know Mary was pregnant. Mary had heard that Elizabeth was pregnant, but nobody else did. And mom and dad for sure are going, hey, she's, she's a senior adult. They don't get pregnant. And Elizabeth is pregnant. And it confirms that the word from the angel was true, that God is doing the unimaginable. He's doing more than you could ask or imagine. The promise from Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Genesis all over the scripture is coming true. And that brings us to Mary's song. You might have wondered, where are we going to get there? We got here. And Mary, it says, it says here, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And sometimes we read scripture and it's like we just, we're too tame with it. And Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It explodes out of her. It explodes. She can't keep it in. She can't keep it in. Some would say, well, maybe, 
It didn't happen right away. Maybe Mary took some time and she was thinking about things and how to compose a song. Others would say it just explodes right out, just comes right out of her. Her song challenges us, first of all, to make a big deal about Jesus. Make a big deal about Jesus. At Christmas time, oh yeah, sure. But all the time, we're to make a big deal about Jesus. A big deal about him. Christmas is all about him. Christmas is about God is, is going to fulfill his promises. He's doing his work of redemption. My soul glorifies the Lord. The word is magnify. My soul makes God big. I'm going to make him big. I'm going to put the spotlight in on him. My soul is from deep down inside. It's uncontainable uncontainable. It's got to get out. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She delights in him. She, 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 she loves him. She, she cheers for him. God, my Savior. Who is that? Isaiah chapter 45, God says, there's only one God. I know of no other. There's only one Savior. God's talking about himself. So there's one Savior and there's one God who is Jesus? Titus chapter two, looking for the glorious appearing and the and the uh, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Jesus is Savior. She's she's rejoicing. She knows what is going on inside of her. Some of you are probably Packer fans. I'm trying to decide this year. You're watching the game last week, and it's like, they're going to pull this out. Think of it this way. Think of what the Giant fans did with two seconds left, and the ball went through the uprights. What did they do? If they had missed, what would you have done? Would you sit there and you go, hey, pass me the chips. What would you do? If it happens today. About 3 o'clock, the Packers are behind, and, and they're down by 4. They have to have a touchdown, and Jordan Love goes back, and this is the last play of the game, and it's one of those Hail Mary things, and that's a pretty good Hail Mary. We're talking, never mind. Throws a pass, and, and the Packers catch it, and, and the Packers win. What do you do? Yeah! You jump up and down. You're excited. You're slapping five. You're doing all that kind of stuff because you're rejoicing in God, your Savior. I know you won't sit still if you're a Packer fan, if you're not. Whatever then. It explodes out of Mary. What explodes out of you? Does, does the word of God cause you to explode in praise of him? Oh, maybe you don't, maybe you're, maybe you're not the kind where you know you jump up and down, but maybe when, when you realize the truth, it comes out of your eyes in tears. Have you ever sung a song or you've been with people singing a song of praise to God and not because the singing was bad, but because the message is so good as it caused tears to come out of your eyes? Has it caused you maybe even to go silent? You don't know what to say because you're so glad about what God has done for you. Mary's song challenges us to make a big deal about Jesus. If you stay in the context of Luke 1 and 2, what does Elizabeth say when she hears Mary come in? She hears her voice. Who does Elizabeth make a big deal about? Does she say, Mary, I'm pregnant too. I'm pregnant too. I'm pregnant too. What does she do? She says, 
How is it that the mother of my Lord would come to me? She starts talking about Jesus. When John the Baptist is born, that's who Elizabeth is carrying. John the Baptist is born. Zacharias' tongue is loosened and he can now speak. He has about 10 to 12 verses and the first eight verses are all about Jesus. He doesn't talk about his son. He talks about Jesus. If you go into John chapter 3, John the Baptist has his ministry. Jesus comes. John baptizes him. John says about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then it says a few verses later, John's disciples came to him and said, Hey, John, you know that guy that you uh, baptized and introduced everybody to a little bit ago? Yeah. Well, they're baptizing and everybody's going to him now. They're going from our church to their church. And John the Baptist says, He must increase, I must decrease. Elizabeth. Zacharias, John the Baptist are all making a big deal about Jesus and so does Mary. And so it's a challenge for you and me to make a big deal about Jesus. Second, her song challenges us to try to understand the favor God has placed upon us. The favor that God has placed upon you. It says that Mary's highly favored. She's highly favored because she's chosen and because she believes that God word said. Look at 46. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I believe she's referring to all the things that happened in the past. All the things that happened in what we would call the Old Testament. He's done mighty things. He's done mighty things. He's done mighty things. You go a little further and it says the mighty, uh, verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It says that God has done mighty things for me. That in all those things that God did, through the prophets, through the kings, all the things that he did, he did those for Mary too. All the things that God has done in the past leading up to today, he's done it for you. That, that you are part of that. We are part of that. He's done these mighty things to do his work of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And God, God has favored us. John chapter 15. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Do you realize that? That the blessing is in the being chosen. There is a response called for us. I understand that. I believe you understand that. But it's the idea of being chosen by him. That we have been those who are adopted into God's family. Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 1. Adopted into God's family. Children of God. Favored upon you, favored upon me. That's, that's who we are, that we are redeemed. That, that, that the price was paid for us. That means you're worth it to God. It says in Colossians chapter 1 that he qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints in light. He qualified us. You know what that means? You're good enough. You're good enough, not because you're good, but because God qualified you. Redeemed us, ransomed us 
He's taken us from the, from, from the uh, kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son. It says in Ephesians chapter 1 that you and I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Are you favored by God? Are you? Well, if you don't know you are, I know I am. And I'm favored because of Jesus. You're favored by God. You and I are highly favored by God. And we need to understand the favor that God has placed upon us. Not because we're so good, but because he chose us. And you and I have believed what he has said. Qualified, redeemed, ransomed, forgiven all our sin. I said to someone not long ago, they were struggling with a particular thing that happened years ago. And I said, do you understand? Or, or what part of the word all in Colossians do you not understand? It happened years ago. Let that go. Jesus paid for it. The evil one wants us to think that God's favor is not upon us or wants us to think that the favor placed upon Mary is different than the favor placed upon us. It is not. And God has done his mighty acts. He is, he is remembered to be merciful like it says in verse 54. He's done all of that. He's sovereignly ruled on behalf of his people Israel, on behalf of Mary, and on behalf of you and me. Third challenge, recognize your place in the story. Recognize your place in the story. It says in verse 49, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is placing herself in God's story. It's God's story that you and I are part of. And we need to understand that we are part of that story. When she uses those phrases from generation to generation, from generation to generation. Mary's understanding that she's part of this flow of history that is the story of God, and you and I need to be those who recognize our place in the story. Because the story's not over. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate God becoming flesh. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We celebrate him. It's unimaginable. Who would have ever thought up a redemption plan like that except God? And we are part of that story. It says in Galatians chapter 3, that if you belong to Jesus, you belong to Abraham. It doesn't mean you're Jewish. It means that you understand that salvation is by faith, just like Abraham modeled for us. Always like to have the one thing. The one thing for me is, I'm picking out a, a popular term, and I don't want to mess it up. If, if you want it to be the one thing being, make a big deal about Jesus, that's great. The one thing I think is this, this is surreal, surreal. You hear that? We hear people say, this is surreal. I won the lottery. Oh, this is surreal. You know, such and such happened. This is, I can't believe. It means it's bizarre. That means it's not expected to happen. It's like they, they do not, they, these things don't happen this way. You can't connect all the dots. Well, Jesus becoming flesh. It's surreal. Look what he did. Look what he, that's why we make a big deal about him. Because his favor is upon us and we are part of his story. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is alive. 
Father, thank you for those moments where we read Scripture and we've seen it again and again and again. And it jumps out at us. And it's such a simple thing, and yet it's, it just reminds us that your word is alive. May we make a big deal about Jesus Christmas time, today, tomorrow, every day, a big deal about Jesus. Thank you for the favor you've placed upon us. Thank you for working through a teenager like Mary. And thank you, Father, that we can be part of your story. In Jesus' name, amen.